but now it's my great privilege to introduce Clarence. Clarence um, uh, has been preaching around the place, and uh, I've heard wonderful, wonderful reports. So Clarence, it's over to you. Thank you so much for coming to be with us. Thanks, Azalea, for coming with him, uh, holding his hand and uh, giving him some support. <laughs> but uh, Clarence, over to you. Thank you so much. Well, good morning. It is an awesome privilege to be here. Um, like you heard, we, we are originally from the Strand area. I was born and bred there. And uh, actually for a little while, we lived up here in a year or two. We lived up here in Albany Estate in Mountain Road before we moved to Worcester nine years ago. And we led a church there. And then a year ago, or yeah, a year ago, October, um, we actually became part of Josh Jen. And uh, that flowed out of the fact that um, in June last year, uh, on the 1st of June, I had a stroke that left me paralyzed on the left side of my body. And I never thought that I'll be preaching again and standing in front of people. Um, so if you, if you wondered if I'm a gangster from Mitchell's Plain because of my walk, it's, it's, it's not. <laughs> I'm still battling a bit with, <laughs> with this left side, but God, it's a miracle. I mean, God has done a miracle that I can walk again um, and, and preach again. And I believe that uh, we heard testimonies of God's healing power, that we're really in a time we, we, we should have faith for, for the miraculous um, this is an absolute testimony of God's miraculous healing power. God's amazing. Um, our little granddaughter, um, people ask us if we have children, and I say, no, we've got adults. Uh, uh, our son is 35, and our daughter is 30, and she'll be 31 soon. So we've got a little granddaughter, and she's about to turn two. She was born with a hole in the eardrum. And... Uh, so on the 16th of this month, we took her, we waited for about six months for the day that she'll be operated. So we thought we'll use the time wisely, and we started praying. And uh, she was supposed to, on the 16th, to get the hole fixed and then get grommets in her ears. And uh, we just kept on praying, took her in on the 16th, and doctors said, no, she can go home, there's no hole and no need for grommets. <laughs> and that's just the power of God. And then, as you heard, I'm going to, to we, we're going to join Sunningdale PM. So I've been visiting there a few Sunday evenings just to get used to the people and get part, become part of what's happening there. And so um, on our last visit there, it was the last Sunday. Last Sunday, we had the service again, and uh, meeting ends, and a 12-year-old boy comes running in from outside. He's been playing outside, and he just collapses right in the foyer. His heart stops, nothing, he's just, he's just there, like there. And we just started praying. Uh, what an introduction into the life of a church. <laughs> we started praying, it was no heartbeat, no, not breathing at all. And we prayed for about half an hour, and there were paramedics, and they tried to shock him, and about after half an hour, there was a beat, and he lived again. And that's the power of God. So, I mean, that evening, they still, about 12 o'clock, they let me know that he's in Red Cross Hospital recovering. He recognized his mom. He was responding to his mom. And that's just, that's just what God is doing. And so if you've been praying about something, 
don't get up. Go, I mean, we were, I mean, often you wanted half an hour, 15 minutes. That's way past, you know, where, where, where there could be recovery. And, and we didn't stop praying. The whole church just stood there praying over this boy. At one stage, they had, they had to ask us to move and pray somewhere else because it was too noisy. The, the paramedics couldn't hear one another. But praise God. Praise God. He answered prayer. And he still answers prayer. So I believe that I just want to apologize, first of all, because you've been set up. Um, you came here thinking that you, because you have nothing to do, that you're just going to have a quick hour. God's got an appointment with you, and he's going to change your life today. So you've been set up. I do apologize for that. Um, <laughs> But if I follow the word that has been going out, um, there's, there's something's being challenged, and that's compromise. Now, I want it flat. Okay, thanks. Oh, it's falling over. I believe God is challenging compromise this morning. So if you've been compromising, God is speaking to you. So we're going to um, read in... Let's see, let me just find it. Numbers. Numbers chapter 32. So while we're turning there, when the people of God moved out of Egypt, they had to follow a cloud, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And wherever the cloud stopped or the fire stopped, they stopped. And whenever the cloud moved, they moved. The same principle um, is what Ruth uttered when she spoke to Naomi and she said, where you go, I go. Where you stay, I stay. And I want to speak, I want to speak today on the, the ungodly um, contentment that we sometimes experience. Where we stop at places where God didn't stop. Where God's still moving and we decide to settle because it's convenient to settle. So let me just check my watch because this thing, I've got a funny watch. It runs quicker when it goes downhill as from 10 o'clock. So I've got to watch that. So I'm going to pick up, I'm going to pick up in verse 4. And the land of, of chapter 32. And the, la the land the Lord struck down before the congregation of Israel is a land of livestock and your servants have livestock. I think it might be best if as I go along, do you, for, for the sake of time, to just read small portions and then I'll explain because I'm just going to go through this word. I believe that, that I've got this approach that I pour over the word and then I allow the word to pour over me. And as we do that, we find that God speaks amazingly to us. So we find here um, a group of people ready to move into Canaan. They are called to move to Canaan, but when they get to the east side of the Jordan, before they cross the Jordan, there are a couple of tribes that sees the, the land is good for livestock. There's grass. Everything that they want for their livestock, for their sheep and for the cattle, it's there. And God didn't say stop. The cloud did not stop, but they stopped. And they actually said, we have, the land is good for livestock, and we have livestock. Now, here's the thing. People that are on the verge of settling, or people that are settling in a place that God did not tell them to settle, you can hear it by the reasoning. You can hear it by the reasoning. 
You see, God's inheritance for us is not based on what we possess. Our, our, our inheritance is not this land because we have livestock. God said he will lead them into Canaan. The inheritance was in Canaan, not on the east of Jordan. And I'm, I'm going to ask you, where are you situated? Have you crossed Jordan? And are you moving into your inheritance? Or have you stopped on the wrong side of Jordan and you've settled for something less than what God has for you? And when we do that, we compromise. We compromise. We open ourselves up for the attack of the enemy. Because when the enemy attacked Israel, they took out Reuben and Gad first because they did not have the protection of the Jordan. They were on the wrong side of the Jordan. Everybody on the other side of the Jordan could see the enemy coming. But they couldn't because they, were, they settled on the wrong side. Of the Jordan. So here's what, what you'll pick up in the, in, in the speech of somebody who's compromised. Somebody who has settled in the, on the wrong side of Jordan will say stuff like, um, we have livestock and there's some, some good fields. Let, let's take this possession. Let's take this inheritance. Now inheritance is not something you take. It's something that's given. And God gives you an inheritance, but here they take the inheritance. So you can already hear that in their speech, their speech is shallow. There's a a, a Greek word for that. It's called dof. (laughs) You can hear it. They think they're clever. They make all the, the, the holy noises. They speak Christianese. But they make no sense. And I've got to ask you, are you compromised? Are you saying stuff like this? I mean, Peter Howard Brown, some of you might know him, uh, used to lead New Gen. Um, I'm from New Gen. I, that's where I, where I planted from in Tavista. Um, But he used to say, when we went on outreaches to Namibia, um, the guys with the 4x4s put their hand up for outreach. Just because they had a 4x4. Not because they wanted to advance the kingdom. Because then they would have gone Saturday when we went into Kailicha as well. But he used to say, he used to say, have four by four, will travel for God. That's exactly that. Livestock, yes, green fields, so we'll settle here. And, and we really need to search our hearts and find out, have we settled for something less than what God has for us? You see, God is on the move. And we have to move with him. Otherwise, we're going to fall behind and we'll be prey. We'll just be fair game for the enemy because we are separated from God's people. The second thing that you'll pick up when when somebody's compromised um, is their language become flattering. You know, have you noticed when somebody wants to sell you some fruit uh, uh, or veggies along the road, they call you, my bossy, my, bo- my, my bossy is some veggie. He, he, you're not his bossy. He wants your money. He, he, and, he, and if you can, can get more money for his veggies than what he would have normally got, he'll take it from you. But his language is flattering because he wants something from you. And if you look at the next verse here, it says, they went to, um, 
it, verse 5 of this of th chapter 32 it says if we have found favor in your sight let us be given this land my bossy please give me this land and then and then when they did not get the land they said or, or actually let me just rephrase when they did not get the land you go to verse 16 i think it is verse 16 I can't see without the specs. This is now when Moses has actually told them the reasons why they should not stay. The Bible says, and they came near to him. Now, it's not coming near. You know, when you lean over and say, I will do what I want to do. It's that coming near. You see, they were talking to them. They were in their close proximity and saying, my bossy, uh, they, they were saying, if we have favor, will we have this land? Moses says, no. They go, listen, you won't tell us. Now, I can't do that thing with the head like the Indians, but, but that's, the, that's the picture. Right? That's the picture. You won't tell us. You see how the language changes. Goes from flattery to, yeah, and that's, that, that's the signs that somebody is actually settling on the east side of the Jordan. They make stupid mistakes. That's the, third, that's the third thing. They say stupid stuff that children of God should never say. And then they wonder how you know that they're settling, that they compromise. They say stuff like in verse uh, 5 it says, do not take us across the Jordan. God says cross the Jordan. They tell, they tell their leaders, do not take us across Jordan. And actually sometimes when leaders want to lead people into their inheritance, people actually get upset with them for wanting to lead them into something better. And you, you can't imagine how much flack leaders take for wanting to take people into what God has for them. And actually, it should be so much easier because the people of God should want to have what God has for them. And, and I hope that you're not at a place when somebody asks you to maybe, maybe open in prayer or maybe give your testimony and you say, no, please don't do that. No, no, I don't do that thing. You're saying, don't take me across the Jordan. Don't take me to a higher place, to a new place where I can live in what God has called me to live in. God has got something far greater for you than what you realize. And that's why God has given us leadership to take us into that place that he has planned for us. But sometimes we refuse to step into the gift of God. We refuse to step into the inheritance that God has for us. And we say, we say that our actions do not lead us across the Jordan. Now, when we look back now, that sounds stupid. But you should hear some of the excuses you have. They, they, they were at least relevant to their situation. But some of the excuses we come up with actually doesn't even fit into the conversation. So when we compromise, when we, when we actually say no to what God has for us, the following happens. And Moses had to highlight this to them. Moses said to them in verse, verse 6, But Moses said to the people of Gad and to the people of Reuben, Shall your brothers go to war while you, are, while you sit here? You see what happens? God's on the move. 
God's people are going to war, and they settle on the east side of Jordan. So when, when we are compromised, we make the load bigger. We make the load heavier on those who are at war in the time that we're living in. We are, I mean, I love the word about the kidney and the finger and that, and I thought to myself, it's exactly that. Imagine the kidney tries to, to operate there while the body is going that way. It just can't happen. You, you, you have to be in unity. You have to work together. The body of Christ needs to be together, operating together. And then when the body of Christ is moving, and, and here's the thing that I think sometimes we get wrong because of some of the old songs we used to sing. We, we tend to think that Canaan is heaven, is a picture of heaven. But, but Canaan is a place of blessing on earth. Because when, when, when the people of God went into Canaan, they started fighting the biggest fights that they ever fought. They had to take territory. They had to take cities. They had to fight for the inheritance that God had for them. So it's not a, I just arrive and that's it. Crossing the Jordan is about separation with sin. Separating with self. Not, not being controlled by your desires. That's what crossing the Jordan is about. And as you step into, into Canaan, into what God has for you here and now, you have to fight for your inheritance. You can't just surrender. You can't just give up. You can't sit and wait and just, oh, I'm okay. You see, the scripture in Deuteronomy says God has saved us out of Egypt and is bringing us into the land. So it's not just some of us operate as if we have just been saved out of our sin, but not into anything else. God saves us out of and then into. So we need to go all the way. Moses was concerned here. He said, you're going to weaken the army if you settle. The next thing is, he said to him, discouragement is contagious. He says, you're, gonna, you're actually going to make the other people feel not, like not crossing the Jordan. And if you want to, uh, just a little tip. I'm not going to charge you for this. Um, this is free. If the moment you sense somebody is stagnant in God, you move on. Because they will, they will actually discourage you. People who are stagnant in God will discourage you and prevent you from crossing your Jordan. We might, sometimes we feel too sorry, eh? because I'm my best friend and he settled east of Jordan, so I settled with him. That's what Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh did. They settled on the wrong side and they settled for less than what God had in store for them. And that's the first sign. If you see, if you see somebody settling and not prepared to move across the Jordan, then you move with God's people. There's a warning, and I'm just going to focus on that for a couple of minutes. History, I'll just say this, and then I'll, I'll go to the warning. Um, you see, when they, when they chose not to cross the Jordan into the promised land. That's Reuben and Gad. When they chose not to go across, it was history repeating itself. Because of close to 40 years before that, when the 12 spies went into Canaan, 10 came back and said, we should not go in. We should not cross, the, we should not cross into Canaan land because the grapes are big, but the giants are bigger. That was 
just before 40 years because they now prepared to go into the promised land. So Moses was concerned that, that history will be repeating itself. And as I thought on that, um, he actually says to them, you are doing exactly what your fathers did. And you're worse than your fathers. And I felt that was a personal word for somebody. There's something, there's something on your life that's holding you back. Actually, as we drove here, Azalea and us, we, ju we just prayed as we were driving. Um, Azalea prayed about somebody who's got shackles around their feet, chains around their feet. And it just hit me. That's, that's the line. Somebody's got shackles around their feet. As I prepared this, God showed me that there's somebody, and you're not moving on. You're actually not achieving what you, what you thought you'd achieve by now. Actually, you're in bondage. And it's because something that has come down through your father. And if God speaks to you today that that's you, all you need to do is break that in the name of Jesus. You don't have to live under that. You, you don't have to compromise because of something that your father has done. But you need to break it in the name of Jesus. So, so here he says to them, this is history repeating itself. And I'm asking, I'm asking that you will not allow history to repeat itself. That you will not live a life that's ineffective and mean nothing to anybody or to the church itself that because that's the way your father lived. Break free from that thing today. Because we spoke about, we, we just mentioned testimonies of a God who heals eyes, a God who, he, a God who heals eardrums, a God who raises the dead in our day. That God can set you free today. That's the God that sets you free. So, What's the danger of settling east of Jordan where, where God has not stopped? God has moved on. He's leading his people across the Jordan. What's the danger of settling on the wrong side of the Jordan? The danger is you become religious. You become religious. And religion is definitely not what God has in mind for his children. Let me show you that. When, when you become religious, when you want to settle, you still want to please God. You see, the, the instruction is cross the Jordan. So what do you have to do? The obedience is crossing the Jordan. But then if you don't want to cross the Jordan, you will start by doing works. It says, they, it see, it says here, and they said, they came close and they said, we will build sheepfolds. We will build. We will do this and we will do that. It's got nothing to do with what God's doing, but we will do this. And then we will go with you across the Jordan. We will fight with you, and then we will come back, and we will live in what God doesn't have for us. That Greek word, dof. So it sounds great. We're not going over, but we will fight with you. We, we will do this with you. And it sounds awesome. And this people, they, they prepare to serve. But here's the thing. Serving is idolatry if you're not in obedience to the word of God. If you're serving to try and ease your conscience, it's idolatry. 
Because God has called you just to walk across on dry land. Walk across the Jordan and you want to work so that you can have favor with God. And the problem with that is, there comes a time that you feel that you've lost your identity in God. Who you are in God. And then you start doing funny stuff. So let's do the follow-up on that scripture. That's in Joshua chapter 22. Is the follow-up on the scripture. So now they have fought. They have... They have won the victory. They've won the land for their people. And now Benjamin and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they've got to return to the land that they took for themselves. Sounds a bit like South Africa where people just grab land and say, this is mine now. Okay, so this is not a new thing. Land grabbing is not a new thing. Comes back from there. So what happens? Let's read this. They're on the way. Get the picture. I just got to give you the picture. So they've done the whole fighting, the war, war thing, and now they're on their way back to, they've got to cross the Jordan again. And on the side of Canaan, on, on the west side of the Jordan, they do the following. It says here, chapter 22 of Joshua, and when they came to the region, verse 10, and when they came to the region of the Jordan that is in the land of Canaan, the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh built there an altar by the Jordan, an, an altar of imposing size. God has already had an altar in, 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 in the tabernacle. God had already had an altar amongst his people. They were not called to build, build another altar. You see, but they had to build the altar so that people could know. That people could, 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 could know that they are part of Israel. See, if they just crossed the Jordan and lived with the rest of Israel, they needed no altar. But they needed a sign to the people because they were disobedient. And I, we might think, but this is so long ago, why preach on it now? The problem is, in the modern day church, people are bringing in more and more altars that God did not tell us to have. Uh, I always have an issue with this. What would Judas do? Armbands. Because I get that, I, I, I kind of feel, why do I need, if, if I'm obedient, I don't need an altar. You see, this is the reason. Let me give you the reason in case you think I'm making this up. Verse 24. When they were asked, why did you build the altar? They said the following. But we did, but we did it from fear. That the time to come, the children might say to, their children might say to our children, what have you to do with the Lord God of Israel? For the Lord has made the Jordan a boundary between us and you. You see, when you separate yourself from the purposes of God, you will start building altars that God has not told you to build. You need signs. I promise you, if you've settled on the wrong side of Jordan, you're going to need signs. You're going to need trinkets. You're going to need stuff to tell other people that you're a Christian because they can't see it in your life because you're not living in obedience to God. God has given a simple instruction. Follow me. 
He didn't say anything about building altars of imposing size. The people think the bigger the cross that they have, that they possess, the bigger the Bible or the more expensive the Bible, the leather cover and the gold pages. People do funny stuff to make you think that they are holy. But you know, holiness exudes from the inside out. You can put on makeup, but you can't put on holiness. Holiness comes from the inside, and it comes from a place of spending time with God. It comes from a place of being obedient to what God is telling you to do. So here's the thing. Why I call it religion? Because it's empty. Building these altars to make you look holy is empty. And they knew it was empty because, let me see if I can find that verse here. Okay, verse, verse 28. Let, let me read this, verse 26. Therefore we said, let us build the altar, not for burnt offering and not for sacrifice. You see, every altar that God told his people to build was for burnt offering and for sacrifice. And they say, we're going to build something, an altar that's supposed to tell people that we serve God, but it's not for sacrifice and it's not for burnt offering. It's just a dummy. It's just a dummy altar. It's just a pretend, pretend altar. So I'm asking you, God's asking you today, what's in your life? What altars have you built to prove to others that you're a child of God? But God has not asked you to build that altar. He's just asked you to be obedient. They said this. And we thought, verse 28, if this should be said to us and to our descendants in time to come, we can say, behold, the copy of the altar. That's what that whole thing was. Just an empty copy of the altar of God. And that's what religion is. It's an empty copy of what God has called us to. And I believe that today, like I said, I, I did apologize, so you can't hold me accountable, but you've been set up. Because God brought you here, not so you can have a quiet time away from the grandchildren, but God brought you here because he wants you to deal with the disobedience in your life. He wants you to deal with the altars that you've built, that he gave no instruction to build. And it's not something that you just go and you say, Oh, that's a good word. It's challenging and you leave. Uh, there's something that, that, that's needed and that's called repentance. You cannot move on from disobedience without repentance.